Well, tonight we want to talk about intentional living. That's one of how we want to kick this off is with intentional living. And the reason why I want to kick it off with this message in particular is because you were intentional being here. Mm -hmm. And it's more of a compliment to all of you because good thinking or good intentions is not what we're looking for in life. Good intentions. You're, you're never going to hear Jesus say, Boy, that sweet smelling aroma of those good intentions, man, you never healed anybody. You never helped anybody get set free. You never helped anybody in any way, shape, or form. But those good intentions, boy, those good intentions, that's a sweet smelling aroma. Now, you know, you know Jesus well enough to know that he says, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. In other words, good intentions are not just uh, left alone that are going to produce fruit. It's intentional living that produces fruit. Fruit, And that's what we're really after in our marriages and our families, our relationship skills, because the stronger, the stronger our relationship skills become in our marriages, with our families, the stronger the church becomes, the stronger our families become, the stronger our workforces become. In every aspect of life, the stronger we become, the more we focus on enriching and strengthening, being intentional about our relationships. Now, you can talk about any career, any adventure you want, and the ones that are going to get ahead in life are the ones that are intentionally growing. And I think that if you just take a moment and look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, you find Jesus saying, seek first the kingdom of God and then all these other things, you know, so all of his righteousness, seek it, seek it. That's an intentional word. Be first. Let Jesus be first. Seek him first. Let his kingdom be first. And then all these other things will be added unto us. It's vitally important in these days that we live in that we don't just think our thoughts. You know, if our wife, uh, you know, we're thinking, boy, that was really nice of her to make a meal or to uh, fold the laundry or to go to work today or whatever it might have been or help me with the kiddos, change some diapers, uh, whatever. If you're just thinking it, that's not enough. Now, good thinking can lead to good living, but it starts with being intentional. So, yes, yeah, start with good thinking, but then you have to take that step two to be intentional and verbally express your gratitude for what they're doing. Verbally let them know how much you appreciate the little things that they're doing, the big things that they're doing. We've got to be intentional in life. In order to succeed in any way, shape, or form, we must be intentional about our growth. If we want to become successful in business, we've got to be intentional about growth, learning, business tactics. If we want to be uh, great parents, then we've got to be intentional in learning parenting tactics. If we want to have great marriages, we've got to be intentional about stronger growth in that particular area. So that means we read marriage books. That means we intentionally go to marriage conferences. This is really what Jesus is after, is that in order for us to go anywhere, we've got to be intentional. It's not good enough just to think it. We've got to do it. We've got to be more than just hearers. We've got to be doers of God's word. Now, I heard about this husband, by the way, that he went to a marriage conference and uh, he heard about the importance of being intentional. 
So he decided it was a good idea to go ahead and take part of the day off of work and go get some chocolates and some flowers for his wife and just surprise her based upon what the marriage uh, counselor had recommended. And so he, sure enough, he goes, leaves work early, gets all the goodies, brings it home. He rings the doorbell because he's really wanting to surprise her. And sure enough, she comes to the door and he, you know, with a great big enthusiastic smile, He says hello to his honey as soon as she opens the door. She starts crying immediately. And he's like, well, honey, what's the matter? What's wrong? And she said, well, everything went wrong today. The dryer stopped drying. The microwave stopped microwaving. Uh, Johnny, little Johnny, you know, just hurt his knee and uh, uh, that we had some issues with the kitchen plumbing and everything else. And now you come home drunk. So sometimes, sometimes in life, you're going to take some of these things, these principles, home with you, and it may shock your spouse. It may shock and surprise your children. But there is something good about being intentional. What makes a great marriage? Just saying I do? Absolutely not. None of us would even agree on that. What makes a great marriage is the daily disciplines. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 25, verses about 31 through 46, we see Jesus saying, listen, when I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you brought, you came to be by my side. And when I was in prison, you came there to see me. And they're all like, what are you talking about, Jesus? When did we do that for you? And he goes on to say, for those that you did this for, the least of them, the least of them, you've done it unto me. So in other words, once again, it's not good enough in God's eyes, you could just say, to have good intentions. He needs us to be doers of the word. He wants us to be doers of the word. He wants us to be action-filled. Now, Amy and I were recently up north in northern Minnesota on vacation a couple months ago. And, and uh, I was sitting there thinking about what makes for a great marriage. What makes our marriage great? Why are we thriving in our marriage? What are some principles that we're applying that maybe we aren't even thinking about? Maybe they were intentional at one time in our life. And I came up with three Three things. Do y'all want to know what they are? All right. Well, there's a very simple. And yes, it may have been intentional at one point, but it's just become a part of my life. And so I had to really process it and think it. And the first thing is we pray together. Every day we pray together. We just don't miss that opportunity of praying together. So we snuggle up in the morning. We pray together. We pray for each other. We take time and we pray together. Number two, we play together. We have lots of fun. We build, you know, with us, with our kids. We are intentional about playing together. We need humor in these days. We need to laugh in these days. We need to have fun. There's sometimes, if you've ever noticed, you could have had a really tough day at work. And if you just stop and go play after you get done with work, what does that do to you? It, it causes things to change. It changes your physiology. You actually change on the inside the way you think and the way they process that it's not such a big deal after all. It lightens things, doesn't it? It gives you a new perspective like, you know what? Life is not that serious. We shouldn't be so wrapped up. So we pray together. We play together. And number three. Can I just say with that play together, I think there are a number of you that really need to take that more seriously. 
I mean, how many of you really take time to play together, to do fun things that will make you laugh? Because laughing, doing those fun things, you have to intentionally plan them, like he's talking about being intentional. We really have to make time for those things, put it in our schedule. Hey, we're going to go do this this week. We're going to do this next week. Plan out something at least every week that you two are going to do that's fun, to have a great time, to build memories, to laugh together. And especially if you have children, because you know what? Those children aren't going to be young forever. And so right now is the time to make every moment count. Yeah, and this is so important. Just to hit on this just for a moment longer. When you play together as a husband and wife, as a family, uh, find something that you have common interest in. You know, when Amy and I first got married, we had to recalculate. We had to think things through. She didn't necessarily like playing tackle football with me. Uh, she didn't enjoy getting checked up against the hockey boards, you know. You know what I'm talking about? She just wanted a change, and so... She did. She always played, and she still does play catch with the football with me, still to this day. I just can't tackle her. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, we have a lot of fun, and so what we decided to do is come up with some common interests. And it, it, it turned out that we ended up trying out some different things in life, including tennis, that we had never played before. Uh, so we have developed interest in some things that we just never did before. Now, the one thing we also learned, and this is something I'm going to caution you, for those of you who are majorly competitive, uh, you may not want to be competing against each other uh, because we complete each other, not compete against each other. And so this is important. I know Amy maybe, and I... Maybe you can handle that yeah, in your marriage. We yeah, can't, maybe so. you can. And I know there's a couples in our church that are just, they love to compete against each other and they keep it lighthearted. They don't get too serious. Uh, but I know Amy and I, we're just too competitive. And so seriously, when we bought our first checkerboard, you know how long it lasted? Ten minutes. And that puppy went in the garbage. So that's, we just could We had to learn to compete together, not uh, compete against each other. So playing together, though, is so vitally important. You've got to make time to play together. You've got to make time to pray together, play together. And third, uh, and, and absolutely vitally important, is dream together. You've got to continue to dream together. You've got to keep a vision before you, common interests uh, with the family, with the children. You've got to continue to cast vision as your family. Uh, you've got to continue to lead them in the vision, in the future. I know we've got friends that get together with their kids once a year, and they do uh, a vision retreat where they get together with their kids, and they talk about the vision for that year, and they get all excited and fired up about it. And so there's something so powerful about sharing common common interests and goals together, a vision, dreaming together. These three things once were intentional for us, but they became a part of who we are. They just flow with our daily life, and it just comes together very easily and gracefully now. And one of the keys with being intentional, I want you to think about this, is Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 talks about, uh, it's Jesus talking to one of the certain churches, and he says, there are a number of good things that you're doing, but I want you to go back to the things you first did. And so a lot of marriages right now in here, you may be doing a lot of good things, but you may need to go back to some of the things you first did, because those first things are the things that caused you to fall. Is my mic on okay here? Those first things are the things that attracted you to one another initially. And so you could be doing some good things, but we have to watch out in marriage. As we were worshiping, I also had one other thought, and I kept having the word drift come over and over to me. It's so easy if we aren't focusing on being intentional for our marriage to just kind of drift into this la-la land where all of a sudden it's like, 
you know, we're not having the same feelings for each other that we used to. There isn't the same passion for each other that there used to be. I'm using unkind voices and tones in my voice with my spouse that I never would have used when we were dating. Any of you know what I mean? And you can become so comfortable with someone and just drift into this place of them becoming average or normal to you that we stop honoring them. And you know, it's so important that we're especially honoring the people in our own household. So think about that. Always remind yourself of Revelation 2, 1 through 5, that you can be doing some good things, and that's wonderful, but make sure you're going back to the first things that you were initially doing. Think about that. Maybe you were an excellent listener when you were dating. Maybe you sent each other text messages throughout the day occasionally to let the other one know you love them and were thinking about them. Maybe you uh, got the other person little gifts or sent them notes occasionally. Uh, ladies, maybe you always gave him the bigger piece of dessert, the bigger portion. Hopefully you still do that. Um, and that was something my mom taught me when I was younger. You always give the man the bigger portion out of honor. And this is, this, amen. <laughs> and so with that, glad we've got agreement there. Uh, with that, you know, think about this. How many of you have seen a couple, a young couple walking along holding hands, you know, and you can tell they're totally in love? Raise your hand if you've seen that. Okay, how many of you have seen a, a, a lot older couple walking along holding hands, really in love? You know, is it as common to see the older couple? It's not as common, is it? Most of us have seen that, but it isn't as common. And it's important that we keep doing those first things, taking the walks together, holding hands. You know what Sean and I just, we don't laugh over this. I would say we laugh over it, but it doesn't make us laugh at all. It bothers both of us. It's like chalkboard nail or nails on the chalkboard on the inside desk when we see a couple and the husband is walking 10 feet ahead of her and they're out for a walk or he's biking 10 feet ahead of her it's like why did you even go together if you aren't going to walk together if you aren't going to you know grow in your relationship have some talk time that kind of thing why did you even take a walk together so if that's been you taking a walk once you've been married for a while it doesn't become about being competitive it's about still taking time for each other and being intentional, loving, and, and making time for that conversation each day. And I think, you know, marriage conferences are what help us stay on the edge, on the cutting edge of keeping our marriage fresh or refreshed. And, uh, you know, it, it sometimes we have to, we assume that a lot of people already know the basic principles. Uh, and yet there was a couple that just said to me this last weekend, they've been married for 40 plus years and they said, you know, I didn't, didn't know the importance of opening the car door for my wife. I didn't know the importance of holding her hand uh, until last year's marriage conference. These little things that seem so easy and assume that everybody understands, this is what marriage conferences do. It reminds us or possibly teaches us to do these things. Because in the generation that we're growing up in, uh, that a lot of people are growing up in, they aren't seeing the example of what it means to have a real romantic, passionate marriage in front of their kids. They, and now I'm not saying you do things that you shouldn't do. Uh, I'm just saying that there should be positive examples of them sitting together, having couch time. You all know what couch time is, right? So your children have that opportunity to see you sitting together. It actually builds their security. Uh, it's been proven, studies have proven that those husbands and wives that sit together, or if you're single and you've got children, uh, if you have your couch time with Jesus, uh, it actually builds their confidence because their trust is initially, their confidence initially comes from 
dad primarily. And if they see the marriage is solid, it produces a confidence inside of them. So kids who are struggling with uh, multiple problems that I could mention names, Eve sleeping through the night, wetting the bed, those kind of things, the majority of those things are curbed with just 10 to 15 minutes of a husband and wife sitting together having couch time. Now, you don't have to literally sit on a couch, but that's one of the techniques you can sit on a chair together. Or it doesn't matter. And that's not just with young ch- children. That's been proven with older kids that are going through the rebellious stage, you could say. That doesn't have to be, especially to the degree that a lot of kids do. Teenage rebellion has greatly been curbed by just watching uh, the, pa- the parents choosing to daily have 10 minutes where they sit together and talk to each other. And just that security it adds to the kids will totally even change the behavior of teenagers. It's amazing. That's actually true, and it actually shows in research. So there's a lot of kids that actually become very um, intentional about being negative because if they can get mom and dad focused because if they see mom and dad fighting, which I don't recommend you ever do in front of your children, don't talk about finances in front of your children uh, unless you're teaching them how to invest in stocks and things like that, but don't ever, in budgeting, tithing, those kind of things, Uh, but don't ever talk about, man, we're not going to have enough or problems and never be arguing ever in front of your kids. It produces an insecurity in their heart and it creates more challenges on the marriage as a result of not leading by example. So what kids need to see is mom and dad, okay, otherwise they will start acting out negatively intentionally because they want to get the attention off mom and dad and on them so that they are working together because they believe teamwork makes a dream work. And if they create intentionally problems, then they can get mom and dad's focus off of each other and on them. So if I can get husbands and wives sitting together having couch time, uh, just even 10, 15 minutes a day, dreaming together, talking about good things, talking about your next vacation, things that are light and easy, things that you enjoy doing so that you're excited about your couch time each day, uh, it will curb many, many parenting issues. So I just wanted to throw that in. That really wasn't in my notes, but uh, be intentional about growth. Be intentional about growth. Uh, Marriage conferences are going to be what, and that's why we always say, if you've been through any of our premarital classes, we always say, please go to at least one marriage conference a year and read at least one marriage book a year, minimum. And the reason for that is because it keeps us on our toes. It keeps things fresh. It keeps things refreshed. Uh, But let me put it this way. Marriage is like planting a garden. You know, what you sow is what you're going to reap. So if you keep sowing kindness, it may not come up as a harvest immediately, but if you keep sowing kindness, you keep using a soft answer to turn away wrath, you're going to provide an atmosphere in your home for growth. You're going to cause people to want to become more like you. And that's really what Jesus was after. Uh, You know, sometimes leadership is not always uh, the easiest thing to do. Of course, we all admit that. Uh, Being leaders, uh, people are not always going to love us, but if we can get them to love our leadership, in other words, trust our leadership, they ultimately will eventually love us, but we need them to love our leadership. Do we inspire them in the home? Do we inspire them uh, in our workplaces and so on? So Jesus said it best, though, when it comes back down to it in Luke 6, 38. See, you know, as you've given, 
it's given back to you. Press down, shaken together, running over, men are going to give back into your bosom. So if you keep sowing kindness, you keep sowing patience, you keep sowing mercy, if you keep sowing long-suffering, if you keep uh, bearing all things, believing in all things, and we'll touch on this tomorrow more, but I think it's absolutely vital the more you keep showing, taking the high road rather than the low road, being the mature one first rather than waiting for the other one to be mature, uh, taking the high road so that you will inspire them to want to come up. John Maxwell's dad said to him, uh, Melvin Maxwell, said to him right when John was about to kick off in his ministry years, he said three things to him. He said, John, if you do these three things, you will always have a packed out audience. Number one, value people. Always value people. Number two, always believe in them. And number three, unconditionally love them. I'll say that again. Value people, believe in them, and unconditionally love them. Now, you'll pack out an audience as a speaker if you do those three things, without question. But let me put it into the marriage perspective for a moment. If you are applying these three things on a consistent basis, you're going to have an audience wanting to be with you on a regular basis, not feeling like I have to, I have to fulfill my marriage covenant. I get to be with him or her. I get to be with my kids. You know, if we are continually applying those three things, you are going to have a very fruitful future, a wonderful uh, day and life ahead of you. My challenge and Amy's challenge to you today is make every day a masterpiece, every day. And you know, one of the ways you can do that in your marriage, making every day a masterpiece, uh, we got an idea from some friends of ours who, uh, from early on, they both knew that they were going to, the careers they were pursuing were going to be very demanding. And so they decided at a very early place in the first year or two of marriage that they were going to meet together every Sunday night to talk about their marriage. And this is something I would encourage you to do at least once a month. So this couple that's friends of ours, they did this for at least, I believe, was about five years then. After about five years, they switched to doing once a month when they were really at the place of getting to know each other a lot better and, and the marriage was flowing more smoothly at that point. But what they did is they would meet every Sunday night and they would say, okay, on a scale from one to five, where was our marriage this week? And they both got the opportunity to speak. And when they did this, this was an agreed-upon time that they would not be defensive, they would not be argumentative, they would not be difficult with each other, they would be very neutral in all of this. And so each of them got the opportunity to say, okay, I thought our marriage was, say, a three this week. And they would say, okay, what would it take to get it to a five for next week? What could we improve? And so that person would say what they felt would be needed the next week to get it to a five. Or some weeks it may have been a five, or some weeks it may have been a four, or maybe some weeks it was a one. But it was always, okay, after the person gave their number, it was, what can we do to get it to a five next week? And that's a great idea to do because if you're doing that continually in your relationship, it's going to help you be intentional. It causes you to not go on the drift where all of a sudden your marriage is just getting to a place where you feel like two strangers living together. And it's more of a business partnership. God doesn't want your marriage to ever be just a business partnership. He wants it to be thriving and romantic and fun and feeling like you're just thoroughly enjoying all of on a regular basis uh, that, you, that you are honored to have this spouse of yours. And so this couple did that, and they also would every year take a vision retreat. So they would take three days away where they would 
go and they would pray over their marriage. They would plan what goals they wanted to focus on that year. They'd talk about longer-term goals, three to five years, but especially what do we want to accomplish in the next year. And so that vision retreat, they said, has been excellent for their marriage. It's been excellent now that they're parents for their parenting. Uh, It's just really helped them to thrive. And, you know, sometimes we get in the place where we just feel stuck. Have any of you ever just felt stuck in some area in life, whether it's career Uh, relationships of some sort. And with that, if you're at the place where you're just feeling stuck, I've heard John Maxwell say this. He said, if you're at a place where things just aren't changing, you know something's supposed to be different, but nothing seems to be happening, he said, I challenge you to do this. Every day for 30 days, when you first wake up, say to yourself out loud, do it now, 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 do it now. And he said, then when you go to bed, say it 50 times again, right, before you go to sleep. And he said, if you do that for 30 days, I guarantee your life will change. And there will be things that were coming up, creeping in, that just seem to be time stealers. And because of you saying, do it now, do it now, do it now, over and over again, it will actually cause things to uh, come together in your life where you'll start making certain decisions that will work out in your life. It's similar to, um, think about the scripture, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You could take that scripture and meditate that one as well. But if you meditate that scripture or waking up saying, do it now, do it now, do it now, you're going to see things that were stuck places in your life come loose, whether it be career issues, relationship issues, different things, and you'll see benefit coming from the power of your words going forth. Yeah, absolutely. I can already see it. Uh, For some of you men, you're probably getting pretty excited about that thought right now. Do it now. Make sure your thoughts are right, though, so you don't wear out your wife. Do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Now, let me put it this way. Sometimes, sometimes you need to uh, uh, throw a jingle in there for yourself, you know? So it's, it's fun. Do it now. 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 Sometimes you just need to make it fun. But the more you think and you say that, guess what? After 30 days, once again, what's the first thought that's going to come to your mind when you wake up? Do it now. You're going to be intentional. So whatever areas, you know, if you're just saying, do it now, do it now, do it now, that means you're going to become a lot more intentional after 30 days if you're saying it over and over. Here's my challenge to you is start with a little. You know, you don't have to change everything in your life. Just start with the small things, because if you start with the small things, you start working on the small things, uh, maybe you've been drifting a little bit here, and you're trying to get back on course, and you're just like, you know what, I'm just going to focus on this one particular area. If you focus on one thing at a time, taking those little steps in life, you're going to start building momentum. That's what you've done by coming to the marriage conference today. You are building momentum. Now, my challenge is for you to keep this momentum going throughout the weekend and throughout the next week and the next month and the next year. And when you're intentional, it's going to become a friend to you. Momentum will become a friend as long as you continue to keep working on the little things, taking the little steps in life. You know, I just keep having this thought, so I'm just going to say it. Some of you ladies need to be intentional about going fishing with your husband. I don't know what that's coming, where that's coming from, but some of you guys must love to fish. And some of you ladies need to occasionally start fishing with your husband. You know, even things like that can be very bonding in your relationship and very relaxing. And that is so true. In fact, men just need to be admired. We won't go into this so much today, but men do need to be admired. Even if you're just watching them paint uh, fence, 
and you're not even saying a word, you're just looking at him. I'm telling you, he's going to keep looking at you like, are you paying attention to me? Are you looking at me? That, pe- that fence will get painted three, four times. He's going to have so much fun. If you just sit out there with a lemonade, an umbrella, and you're just looking at him, admiring him, he'll get that fence done very well, and uh, he'll enjoy that very much. So sometimes that's all a guy needs is they just need to feel admired. They just need to know that you're there for them, and you want to be there with them. Maybe you're just going to read a book, ladies, while he's fishing, but go and read a book and admire him while he's fishing. That's right. So be, uh, you know, be intentional about growth. Um, Know what your desired outcome is as I wrap this up now for the evening. Know what your desired outcome is. Now, let me let me ask you a question. If I saw a couple and they came into my office and they were arguing, going back and forth, and I stop them in the middle of their conversation and I ask them this question. Now, you can answer this question for me. What do you want to win? Do you want to win the argument or do you want to win in your marriage? What do you think they're going to say? Win in their marriage. You know, and I think sometimes people get caught up in the moment that you can ask anybody. You see a husband and wife arguing, you see kids arguing, and you just stop them in the moment to ask them, what is your desired outcome? Because sometimes that's what we need. We just need a wake-up call. You know, I was texting a friend this week, and he said, you know, it's just nice to get a text from you from time to time because it reminds me what the priorities in life are. You know, sometimes it's just a wake-up call. It's like, what is my desired outcome here? Do I want to win this argument, or do I want to win in my marriage? Now, I just think that we need to remember that there is a difference between successful living and significant living. Successful living is where you start producing fruit and you're starting to see your, you know, self succeed and and nothing wrong with that. But significant living is intentional. It's where you start to not just live for yourself, but now you're living for others. And how many know that if you help enough people get ahead in life, you're ultimately going to have people helping you get ahead in life. And that's where we need to break down the fear barriers and stop being concerned about us and start being more concerned about others and helping others win in life. And the more we focus on being intentional and helping others win and come up in life, then you're going to start living a life of significance, which is intentional. Now, I heard about this person who has received a book, and I'll close on this thought. It was a book, I believe it was titled, The Greatest Story Ever. He was so elated because he loves to read. So when he went to open up the book, he found out on the inside of the book that every page was blank, with the exception of these few words. These were the words, write down every kind thing you do, every nice thing you do, everything that you do to help others get ahead in life. You're the author of your own book. So my challenge to you tonight is write your own book. What do you want to fill your pages with? What do you want to be remembered for? Know what your desired outcome is. What do you want your obituary to say about you? That you got ahead in life or you helped others get ahead in life? That you built this big empire or you helped this world become a better place? What is your desired outcome? Fill the pages with what you want your book, what you want your legacy to be. Know what your desired outcome is and then be intentional about reaching that every day, little by little. Keep working towards it. And when you're intentional about growth, it's the only guarantee for a better tomorrow.
you receive this, would you say amen? amen? Would you bow your head and close your eyes for a moment? Father, we thank you so much for our time together tonight. What a gift, what a blessing it is as we come together to freshen and refreshen our marriages, our families, our relationship skills. We just want to say thank you from the depths of our heart for being there for us, that you've never left us nor forsaken us. And I know tonight and tomorrow there's going to be a lot of healing that's going to take place in people's hearts, a lot of tweaking. I know that they didn't come because they want to change the people around them. They're coming because they want to change themselves. And yes, maybe their spouse came along with them. They joined them. And what a wonderful gift and a blessing that is to them. I'm confident in that. But Lord, tonight that's our prayer. We ask that you would change us. Keep helping us to grow and becoming more like Jesus every day. And we thank you from the depths of our heart for hearing our prayer tonight and always. I'm going to ask with every head bowed and every eye closed, those that are watching online, have you made that decision to accept Jesus? Maybe you've accepted him. Let me take it one step further, but you're at a place in your life, you know that you need to get back on course with Jesus. And tonight you're saying, Pastor, I want to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed all over this room tonight, if that's you and you're saying, Pastor, pray for me. I want to accept Jesus or I want to recommit my life to the Lord Jesus. I've gotten off course. I don't I have been missing the desired outcome. And tonight I want to get that desired outcome back in perspective. What it ultimately means. So if that's you and you're saying, Pastor, pray for me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you slip up your hands all over this room right now, just acknowledging, I want to accept Christ or I want to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. I know it takes courage. I know it takes confidence. And I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that in all of you right now. You can put your hands down. Anyone else you're saying, Pastor, pray, pray for me too. I want, to, I want to make that decision to accept Christ or recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. Tonight's the night. This is a beginning. This night is a turnaround for your marriages, for your families, your relationships, and for your destiny. Just a moment longer. Anyone else you want to say, Pastor, pray for me as well. Okay, let's do this. Let's put a hand on our heart and let's pray with those that are making that quality choice and that decision tonight. Let's call on the name of the Lord Jesus together. Romans 10, 13 reminds us, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So let's do this together as a body of Christ. Let's pray for those and and pray with each other as we make that decision to call on Jesus. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, forgive me. Forgive me of all my sins. Of all my sins. Jesus. Jesus. Come into my heart. Come into my heart. I accept you. I accept you. As my Lord. As my Lord. My Savior. My Savior. And my best friend. And my best friend. Thank you. Thank you. For dying on the cross. For dying on the cross. For all of my sins. For all of my sins. I commit. I commit. My life. My life. If you're married, say my marriage. My marriage. My family. My family. My relationships. My relationships. I commit them. I commit them. Take them, Lord. Take them, Lord. And do something with them. And do something with them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. Would you give the Lord a big hand clap?